show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Hey, Brits. Jazz, how are you? I'm so happy I got to see you in person last week, even though yeah, I almost died on those bikes on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. I've never met someone who was worse at riding a bike than you. That was really great. You like so, had to walk it. I was in heels. <laughs> Guys, so we went to Lola Taverna, which is Jess's favorite restaurant in the city. It was We had an amazing dinner. We caught up on like over like three espresso martinis. And then she thinks it's a good idea when I'm in heels to try out a city bike for the first time ever. I'm really sold it. You really sold it to me. (laughs) You are. I was like, wait, what? You had your like little heels on. She had her Chanel purse. She looked adorable. And she's like, okay, I'm going to see you. I'm going to be on the bike. I'm like, the bike? She's like, the city bike. Come join. And then I joined and then I could not ride the bike for the life of me. You were scared. (laughs) You had to walk it for part of the way. Yeah, I like thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. I'm like a beast on the city bikes. It's like my new thing. I just like roll around. I literally I was running to uh, I was dropping my boyfriend off somewhere Friday night. And then I was like, do like just like biking around kind of. And then I was like, oh, my friend's on a date. Why don't I like bike by her date? And I was like, because I knew what restaurant she was going to. I was like, hey, how's it going, Kylie? She's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> You're a creep on the bike. What? I'm a creep on the bike. I love that. But my friends told me the funniest thing. She was, I was afterwards, I call her. I'm like, that guy was super cute. What did you think? Tell me the details. My main question on first dates is like, how did the payment go down? And she's like, he said, right? And she was like, oh, his style was like, oh, I got this. You got the next one. Like, what do you think of that? But some people just say that. They don't actually mean it. Well, here's my point. Exactly. Because that's his style, right? I've Everyone's had that said to them. Like, oh, they think that's their way of being cool. But like, that's not cool. Well, I think sometimes we're like, no, 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 don't worry. I, you'll get the next one. And then they'll like, it makes you feel better. Like the person, like if I was told like, oh, you can get the next one. I'm like, okay, thank you. And then you just say thank you versus like, no, no, I got it. I'm like, no, no, are you sure? I can help. Like I can pay for it. But thank you. <laughs> so I think it's almost letting you go and like making you feel fine about just saying thank you. Oh my God, like my son someday, I swear I'm going to train him to be like so good at payment that the girl is like scared. She's like going to get stoned if she like brings out her credit card. Like she'll just be like so intense about it. He'll oh be so God. intense. I like guys Extreme. that are just like, don't, don't even make you feel like it's like, no, 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 this is on me. Like, what do you, how are you disrespecting me in public? Like, absolutely not. So when you started dating producer Pete, what was, was it awkward at all in terms of payments when you went out to dinner and stuff? Well, different circumstance because we, you know, went through different, we weren't, didn't go like right into dating, but like I'd say for the majority of guys, I went out with a lot of really classy guys in the city that it was just like never a question. You obviously do the whole like, oh, like let me pretend to dig into my wallet and just see if there's a credit card there. <laughs> like, But I just feel like for the most part, it was always like, don't, I got you. Like, this is on me. Obvious. I went out with this one Italian dude and he was like, so offended like he was like what my son will be like how could you offend me in public like you brought the card out like people might have seen and I was like I'm so sorry and he's like that was just so disrespectful oh really yeah no, but it was like I like that can I be honest with you I am always like willing to offer and especially if I like you definitely willing to pay after a certain point for sure but it got to a point when I was dating a lot and going on a ton of bad dates where I was like fuck it I am not offering to pay and because (laughs) I went on this awful date and granted I was a little drunk already that was not good of me 
But like we got, he's like, oh, let's order food. Let's do this. And it was only supposed to be drinks. And at the end, like it was like, oh, I, like it was just like a no brainer as if he assumed we would be splitting it. And it was a first date. Ooh. And I was like, wait, I'm tr- like, I'm not. No, if you, this is the first date. No. So I just stopped offering. Like, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Jess, so I'm actively hiring for my company. And I'm genuinely obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink. Not only are they a tech recruiting firm, but they're kind of like professional matchmakers. Oh, my gosh. I am also obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink. But <laughs> tell me why they are professional matchmakers. They're matchmakers in the sense that they work with the businesses, understand their like long-term vision for the company, and create this whole workforce plan for the business. And they're there to understand what the long-term plan is for the company. And then on the flip side, they work with employees, do some professional branding, understand their strengths and weaknesses, and create relationships between companies and prospective employees to make sure it's a really good fit. MillenniaLink has a pool of talent coming from the U.S. and Canada that have been living or working or educated in both places, and now they're looking for new employment opportunities, and MillenniaLink is ready to link you up with those tech and IT professionals. One thing that is so great about this business is just how easy it is to use. So you just hit the link in our bio and immediately you will be connected to a recruiter. From there, they will go through all your employment needs with you. And the best part about it is you pay salaries in Canadian dollars. And what I learned, which I thought was pretty cool, is that many of the companies that work with MillenniLink aren't necessarily tech companies. They're companies of all different industries that need tech and IT professionals. So whether you're a part of a small business, medium size, or large enterprise, tech needs are more in demand than ever before. So reach out to the link in our bio, talk to the MillenniLink team, and see how they can better support your business needs and your future goals. Welcome to today's episode of Cake for Breakfast. Cake for Breakfast is a mix of the news you need, biz, stocks, and tech, and the news you want, celebs, gossip, and beauty. Welcome to Cake for Breakfast. Today on the show, we're talking about a Hollywood legacy continuing, winners and losers of the pandemic, and a big deal announcement for podcasters. Which we are very, very excited about. Very excited about. Very excited about. (laughs) Hollywood baby news time. Joaquin Phoenix, who's 45, and Rooney Mara, 35, welcomed their first child uh, over the weekend, a baby boy, and they named him River. Oh, that's cute. I know. Do you remember Phoenix? Do you remember the River story? Mm, no. River was that really famous actor from Stand By Me. Didn't you guys watch that in America? <gasps> oh, you didn't watch that yes. in New York in high school? Wait, or he died outside of a like, Viper LA room. club or something. Right? Viper Room. Oh, yeah. Off Sunset in LA. Anyone who goes to LA sort of knows that famous club. It was super hot. And then in Molly's Game 2, um, it came up as where they did the underground poker games. Feel like it's, oh yeah, it's lost. That's its, why I remember that. Place. Yeah, it's lost its luster, <laughs> definitely over the years because that sort of like '90s grunge, early 2000s isn't isn't in as much anymore. But you know, River was best friends with Johnny Depp. He they he had a a huge upswing in his career after Stand by Me. Like he was an extremely famous guy. Died of a drug overdose outside the club. I think Johnny. The story goes, Johnny Depp ran out held him in his arms and he was like no no like screaming as the as the ambulance came yeah so that's so sad really scary story really sad story but these this couple I just stand so hard I love Joaquin I did not enjoy that period where he was like putting on a spoof but it wasn't a spoof about you know when he like went on Letterman and acted all weird and everyone (laughs) thought he was going crazy remember that 
I mean, I think he is kind of weird. He's weird. Yeah, his Oscar speech about, like, if you eat meat, you're the devil kind of thing. He's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. But him and, and um, Rooney, like, they're a true, true artiste. But Mar- uh, Rooney does not have his humble upbringings. Like, think of Joaquin, think of River. They were sort of like the Culkin boys. I think there's four or five of them. Their parents were in a cult, I think. Like, they're just, they're, they're, very, art- they're very deeply ingrained in, like, artistry. The Maras, on the other hand, like Rooney's mother's family founded the Pittsburgh Steelers and her father's what? family founded the Jets. Like, could you imagine like, wow, you're just like the owner. I mean, that must have been like the marriage of the century back in the day. Wow. I wonder how those two families get along, both being in the same industry. That's crazy. I bet they like were, I bet their parents were like excited about it because it was such a power move by that woman marrying like another owner. But at the same time, a little different, I guess. Um, but here's the cake in this story. This couple, they go outside of societal norms. They are, they're not married, but they're very happy. She, Rooney is 35, welcoming her first child. Her sister Kate, I think, just had her baby at 35, too. Um, Joaquin is like, I think he'd be a lot of fun to be with, to be honest. He's crazy, but like everything would be so dramatic every day. <laughs> he really reminds me of my boyfriend, to be honest. They have a similar look, a similar vibe. They're both like such dramatic artists. I kind of live for it. I love it. <laughs> Huge opinions, oh, massively political story because it reminds you of your boyfriend. Yeah, maybe, but they're just cool. They're. I love that they named him River. I just grew up on that story. Like going to the Viper Club the first time was pretty cool. And I think that you brought up a good point. Like they're not married, even Gigi and Zane like they're not married either they just welcomed their first baby like I think there's a lot of like even one of my stylists like she's pregnant right now and she's not married like I think it's cool to see that like people can still have these amazing relationships and obviously they've been dating for a bit and um and not have to feel like they have to abide by societal norms the pandemic has been flat out horrible and, and there's been so many businesses that have really been Brit you don't say the pandemic's been horrible <laughs> Well, I'm just like Captain obvious. But what I'm trying to say is like, let's admit there are some businesses that have been absolutely crushing their sales during this time. And these are businesses like you've never heard of. And they're like the biggest thing in the world right now. I know. I'm like, I really wish I started toilet paper company, <laughs> a like home decor company. Like why beauty services? I really question sometimes. So the New York Post came out with a cool list of the biggest winners and losers of coronavirus. Jess, if you had a guess, what businesses do you think are on this list? Well, I mean, right away, my head for winners goes to um, agriculture, food supply. Um, even I think construction is doing well. I don't know why. I just feel like I've seen that headline mm-hmm. somewhere. Losers, definitely. Anything entertainment related, theater, travel, um, transportation, airline transportation, transportation on the other end, like delivery services, anything like that. Huge winner. Yeah, and moving companies. Moving companies. Anything, in New York City, I guess there's like two month wait lists for some companies right now. So they're definitely doing well. But in the, econ- the COVID economy, we can guess that there's like travel, events, hospitality have been hit horribly. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the Amazon, I assume like home decor. Oh, home decor had companies. a big moment in May, uh, May, June with Wayfair. Yes, Wayfair. My friend who worked there, she was telling me how explosive their growth has been during this time. It's insane. Did we ever cover that conspiracy theory that they're like child uh, sex slaves? Com- like some, what was the thing with yeah, it? Yeah, there wasn't really, there weren't legs to that story. They were basically these big armoires that were going for like $10,000. And they had like na- like child names as oh, like the name God. of the product. That is so horrifying. So there was a conspiracy theory that instead of you buying an armoire, you're really buying a 
child. Oh my God, Britt, I can't. But that was like not, I don't, I, we did not cover that because yeah. there was not enough evidence on that. It's horrifying. Like, that was pretty outrageous. Anyways, but tell me the list. let get back to the yeah. list. <laughs> Sorry. So this is the New York Post list and they have deemed the winners to be Zoom. Got it. Totally makes sense. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Big box retailers like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Clorox, which I thought was interesting, over Lysol or Purell. And then you have Peloton, no brainer, uh, video games, and Top Glove, which is the world's largest disposable glove maker, I found out. Oh, they're not owned by 3M? I thought 3M did all like the gloves, masks type uh, production, but I guess not. Who are the losers? No. So the losers are, I mean, clothing stores, so like retail, airlines, restaurants, ride hailing mm-hmm. companies like Uber, movie theaters, hotels, casinos, and Google. I mean, all those make perfect sense, but why is Google on there? So Google, I guess a lot of people were reallocating their ad spend with Google onto Instagram, like other tech platforms. Oh, and if you think about yeah. retail, all of them had to go D to C, direct to consumer during mm-hmm. this time. So you figure that they were probably doing more like targeted ads on Instagram, Facebook, maybe TikTok. Um, so they had a dip um, at one point in the pandemic, but now they sh- they're back to where they should be. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that's cool. I, I that makes sense. Yeah, but isn't did you ever take a Via before where it's kind of like an Uber, but it's only ride sharing? No, but Via is to, is all parked on the East Side Highway. Like they, yeah. So they were like those vans. Yeah, it's like black vans. They had like a blue logo, and with Uber, you could choose to like ride alone and pay a certain price, or you could save money by sharing the car with other people. Via's whole business model was only ride sharing, where it would be like a van of like six people that all have to be dropped off in a similar area to you but ride sharing is not like possible right now so i just wonder like what's gonna happen to all those vans what's gonna happen to via and all those heavily funded companies you want to hear my transportation prediction and i actually was confirmed this over the weekend too i've just bought like one of those scooters i literally have never in my life seen so many of those like lime bird scooters around this like everyone's buying one because no one wants to really get in cars but you you know you take a cab when you go to dinner you're in heels or whatever and no one is taking the subway. Like, I've been taking the subway since basically February. Um, really? I've been taking the subway. Well, good thing you've been pushing out those negative COVID tests because I've been taking the subway. But these, you're right. <laughs> I do take vias, a COVID test, like, every week. Yeah. <laughs> these vias were a great idea, you know, a year ago because it was, like, everyone hates the subway, if, especially if you're on the sixth line in New York City. And I used to have to take it downtown to, like, Wall Street for my old job. And it's, like... You know, you're like, it's just not possible. You're like sitting on top of people on that thing. Yeah, but can we also talk about one of the winners, Peloton? I looked into their numbers and in Q2, they ended the quarter with $600 million in sales. Oh, I want to know what that's against, with what their costs are. That's just it's, insane. So I guess their membership base doubled to about 3.1 million subscribers over the last year. And that is just, in, I just loved how they weren't doing so well as a studio and then they found this new opportunity to do it like at home and bringing classes into the home and now they're crushing even soul cycle okay here here's what i think's happening i think whoever owns this this guy or girl should sell out now i think they're at the top i could be totally wrong and they could become you know the industry leader in at-home fitness but like this is the biggest moment they could have squeezed juice out of this product in my opinion i don't feel i think everyone who's bought a peloton it's already priced in i don't think people are going to start buying them in six months could I be wrong? But Absolutely. The Peloton, they have the Peloton bike. Now they're figuring out a way to get the treadmill to be more affordable. Like there could be some legs. I do think that they have 
a, while, a ways to go. Um, especially for the next year, I don't think people are going to all feel very comfortable going into a studio when they can take the classes virtually. Hey, I'm not a wizard. I would just say I think this guy's at the top. This company's at the top right now. This was not truly like a pivot because of the pandemic, but Peloton, like there's a million and one workout studios in the city, right? And I went to a class at Peloton, nothing special, like really didn't get it. Um, went once, never went again. And instead of just following the basic studio model where you build out a few different locations, you have to do X amount of classes and that's your business. They found an opportunity to not only just do that normal like in-class experience, but be able to go into people's homes in a way that no other fitness company has done before. And I just came back from a SoulCycle class where they are filming um, a video for their version of the Peloton bike. And even they were like, yeah, like Peloton is crushing it. Like we need to figure this out. And so I just love the innovation behind the Peloton bike and the entire team, even though I love SoulCycle. Okay, this is some awesome deal news. Best deal news I've seen hit the tape today. Spotify announced a partnership with the Chernin Entertainment uh, Production Group. So this company is behind movies like Ford vs. Ferrari, Hidden Figures, um, and the show's New Girl. And now they're going to develop TV and movie pitches based on Spotify exclusive and original <gasps> podcasts. So wow. the first look partnership means uh, Chernin will get first dibs on developing pitches around Spotify IP. Spotify says its library now consists of more than 250 original shows. So now Chernin Group can work off of this initially. So I found this bit on The Verge, which did a great breakdown. But essentially how you want to think about this is the Chernin Group has all these podcasts that Spotify owns. They own the IP to them to grab. So they could, they, they're they going to get hit by pitches by podcasters like you and I saying like, let's develop a show around cake for breakfast or, you know, call her daddy's a bad example because that's on Barstool. But they could be like, let's do a show on Call Her Daddy and about a girl dating lots of guys in New York. So it's very cool for creators just to show how far their product can go. Wow, that's so exciting because I've always wanted my own TV show. So hopefully they find us and want to make a show. But what I don't get, so break this down for me a little bit further because is it the ones where like Michelle Obama has a partnership with Spotify? Is it yeah. those podcasts that they're referring yeah, to? Yes, so you I have guess? to be, well, look of it in two ways. This is just the big deal. And you know, when a big deal happens, it it, it creates uh, creative opportunities for like smaller companies. So somebody, yes, could, could come to a smaller podcast. But the idea is, Spotify invests in and produces 250 podcasts, which is original content. So it's like, remember all the drama back um, in, what was it, March or April with uh, Call Her Daddy versus the network? Yes. So Barstool owns the IP, owned, now they own 50%, but they owned the IP of Call Her Daddy. So the idea is Spotify owns 250 shows. Now, uh, Churning Group has the opportunity to come in and say, "Ooh, I like content from that podcast or Michelle Obama's perfect example because she's mm -hmm. a Spotify original. They could go to her, which obviously they're going to go to her first. I didn't even think of that and be like, Michelle, let's do a movie around. Uh, let's do a movie around your story. And it's about the stories you tell in your podcast. So Spotify is going to get in on that money because Churning Group's going to come in. They're going to produce the content. They're going to try and sell that to a studio. And the studio will produce it into like a movie or a TV show. So like a studio, you meaning like Netflix, Hulu, et cetera? Et cetera. Got or it. a movie okay. or like 20th Century wow. Fox or Sony. Like 
so Chernin is, but it, it's curious because Spotify is making so much money. I do sort of wonder why they wouldn't just say, instead of like giving Chernin a piece of the deal, Chernin's obviously experts in producing. They do incredible content. So maybe that's the idea behind it. But it almost feels like Spotify should just hire their own big, big movie, big TV producers to just produce the content directly instead of giving a share of the of the money away. But you never know. That might be their next step because I think, there's so many companies that first like work with smaller businesses and like offer their services. And then once they figure out how it really works, then they just do it themselves. It, yeah. And it makes me feel like podcasters are like the new author because, you know, when you watch like think of Sex and the City as an example, Sex and the City was based off a book like HBO bought the IP for that book and created a series. So now it'd be cool if we're like watching, I don't know, something on HBO and they're like, based on um, the podcast by Just Divine and Burt Lowe. Okay, <laughs> let's see what's going on. Okay, I like that. So the PSA of the day. Ooh, cute rhyme. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> de Blasio has made outdoor dining in New York City permanent even after COVID-19. Okay, what does this mean? So it's always so, going to be a thing? Yeah, so you know how you said earlier that restaurants have been suffering during this time? Oh my God, well, yeah. two days... Well, so September 30th, New York City is allowing indoor dining at 25% capacity and they can keep their outdoor seating too. How come outdoor dining wasn't a thing pre-COVID? It just feels so natural now. I think there's a ton of permits and like technically the city owns the sidewalks and the streets. Like there was cars driving through the streets. They had to make that decision to like close down traffic essentially. That's a good point, Britt. That's a good point. Yeah. So like de Blasio, his whole thing was like, we want this to be... They wanted to try this model out and make it as part of the life of New York City for many generations to come. And also, like, I don't know if you remember that, but the restaurant industry was suing New York State for $2 billion because of how they handled it. Again, I come back to my annoyance over the airlines getting all the bailout money. Like, these companies were not allowed to be open. And it's like, obviously, you owe me some money if you're, like, barring me from serving people. Yeah, and, and and there's expected to be about 60% of the restaurants that had to close because of quarantine. They're expected not to ever open again. 60%? Which is really sad. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yelp oh God, has been high. doing a lot of their like independent studies on this. And there have been multiple um, companies that have been doing a lot of data research on all the restaurants throughout the country. And, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be 60%, which is really sad. But on the bright side, there have been over 10,000 restaurants right in New York City that have been utilizing outdoor spaces for their dining. And honestly, like when we went to Lola Taverna, like they had so many tables. I feel like they got more bang for the buck because they were right on the corner. They could get like essentially three sides of the restaurants filled with tables. You know what I was just thinking about is, you know, on the west side, the big circle up there. What's that called again? The Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle. You know how there's like four or five really fancy restaurants? Like I think per se, like if you're like in a building, have you just shut down? Oh, yes. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes if they have a rooftop, you can use that. But I don't think Per Se has a rooftop, sadly. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. But the nice thing is when you think about it, right, like a lot of these restaurants, you know, some are sandwiched in with other restaurants where they really couldn't get 100% of capacity. There are so many restaurants now between the sidewalk space plus part of the road have been able to do 100% capacity of what they usually could have done inside, but within the outdoor space. 
So with the outdoor space plus 25% of their indoor space, some of them can be operating at 125%. Right, the lucky which ones. Is very helpful. Yeah, like the ones the with lucky that like ones. sweet space. Yeah, and and this 25% doesn't just doesn't just apply to restaurants. This also applies to wedding venues. True. So now like this changes the game for weddings, which is really exciting. So I was I loved this article. Yeah. It gives me hope um, as someone in the events industry, but hopefully this gives a lot of hope to restaurants. I know I've been supporting a ton of restaurants. My stomach <laughs> is not super happy with me. And I know we went and we bought a ton of stuff at Lola Taverna. So keep eating, enjoy it until it gets too cold. But hopefully a lot of them get some heaters out in the sidewalk so we can continue to eat outside. Yeah, that's the next uh, piece of the game. People have to figure out how to keep those spaces like warm but still open. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be very European slash Russian vibe. I dig it. I love it. European vibes. European vibes. Okay, I'm not traditionally the one to bring like a major happy piece to our show and to our work, <laughs> but I usually bring like the extreme gossip story or else like the sexy Wall Street big money story. But I don't know why I saw this and it just made me so happy. Wallet Hub, which is like a tech company, everything's data science now. They're like data science associated. They did a study on which is the happiest state in the U.S. to live in. And what would you guess? What's your guess? Happiest? Maybe Florida, the sunshine state. Florida, okay. Definitely not Florida. It is Hawaii, <laughs> which I love because I love Hawaii. Ooh, I would have quarantined there. You would have, but I think they actually, I think they had problems. They had a lot of spikes um, about a month ago. And then I think they had problems with food supply at some point because it's like island. Yeah, that's the only like the import export is a little tricky. So I yeah. wouldn't actually want to quarantine there, but oh, I, I see would. why it's so happy. Yeah, that's where I want to have my mini moon one day. Ooh, your mini moon before you go to like Bali or something extreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never get that. Why not just go right there? But anyways, let's talk about how... Um, Wallet Hub measured happiness. So they used three dimensions on like a hundred point scale. So just think of the things that were important were emotional and physical well-being. And 50 points went to work environment and community and environment got 25 points each. So that's like whatever. The main things to remember, just like emotional and physical well-being, work environment, community and environment. That's a mouthful, but you get the picture of that's sort of like what they judged each state on. All right, give me your guesses for number two and three for top happiest states in America. Uh, if Hawaii is number one, New York's number two? See, New York is funny. They were like mid to bottom. I think it's probably what? to do with like work environment. The mental well-being, yeah. Mental, yeah, well, yeah the but there's like in New York, you get the biggest highs more than anywhere else, you know? So that's why I was like, And well, also the lowest lows. The lowest probably. lows, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Utah came in second, which I thought was really exciting. I went there over oh. Christmas last year. I went skiing. Absolutely love that place. Um, number three was Minnesota, which I thought was funny, especially with all the drama they've dealt with this year with the George Floyd stuff. And then what, who were on the bottom? So in the bottom you had, bottom three were Oklahoma, Arkansas, and the least happy state in the U.S. is West Virginia. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'd be very happy living in West Virginia. Well, when you break it down and think about it, like what industries are really in West Virginia? I think True. maybe like in oil, there's some oil rig stuff there, but there's no tourism isn't a thing there. Like Utah is almost solely driven on tourism they have skiing they have hiking they have lakes like they just they offer everything in that realm and it's getting really uh like bougie tourism as well i know i want to i've been seeing so many people on instagram go to utah because there's that famous summer place which one excuse me the famous like uh not summer place well yeah it's just i think it's like a famous it looks like caves almost 
I can picture yeah, like the pictures in my head. Pictures of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, if you ever want to go to Utah, let me know. Like <laughs> I do want to go. Very I love skiing. <laughs> um, okay, so North Dakota came in with the lowest long-term employment rate. I was thinking about it. They definitely are an oil rig industry. They're an egg industry. Like I assume it's just consistent work. Utah is the highest volunteer rate, and Maine came in as the safest state. So there you have it. All right, for the play of the day. Um, I actually watched this with my family pre-COVID. It's hilarious, and it's Shit's Creek. <laughs> Shit, that sounds so funny when you say it. I binged the entire season one yesterday. Obviously, I'm the one who picked the show for play of the day today. <laughs> I thought it was smart, funny. Love that it won all the awards that it did. Uh, D- Dan Levy. Love Dan and Eugene. Love the girl on it. Don't know her name, but she was hilarious. I just <laughs> I thought it's a great show. Love that it's a Canadian cast, right? It's very Canadian. And honestly, that would deter me. Like, I grew up in Canada where 40% of the TV has to be Canadian produced. So you, like, if you oh. had satellite in my day, like, you were, like, the cool kid because you had, like, more American shows because Basic Cable is, like, some weird show out of Quebec, you know? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we highly recommend watching that. You probably have already started it, but if you need a show to binge, we suggest it. And it's on Netflix. It's free. And if you you are Canadian or grew up in Canada, Dan Levy was really famous for running the MTV After Show. So he did like The Hills, The City. And I actually got to go see the Lauren Conrad episode where he interviewed her. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, it's a great show to check out. So thank you to my friend Brittany Kay for making me finally get on it. love what you heard today please rate review and subscribe guys we are really trying to get our review numbers up because our download numbers are going up so we want the reviews to reflect that it takes literally two minutes hit the purple podcast icon button on your phone it's an app and just put in a review you can say great work guys love the show Brittany. you're hilarious jess i love you whatever you want just throw us a review we'll be ever so happy you can add us on instagram at girl on the street underscore or at britney.lo that's b-r-i-t-t-a-n-y dot l-o or at cake for breakfast podcast all right that's all for today don't forget to tune in tuesdays and thursdays for cake for breakfast and once again, we love our sponsor, MillenniLink. And by using code CAKE, C-A-K-E, as the promo code, you will get 25% off your hiring fees now through Christmas. So just go on to their website, www.millennilink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K.com slash contact dot us, U-S, and you will get 25% off those hiring fees. So reach out, get connected, and achieve your hiring goals now.